ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to the Salty Pastor. And today we have a special guest alongside Dr. Douglas Peak, and that would be Lord Zach Peak, as we discussed <laughs> on our very first podcast. This is Pastor Doug's firstborn son. I'm Jesse Mary, your host, and we are in a series titled Essential, with everyone being told whether or not they are essential by society. We wanted to ask the question, what is truly essential in life? Mm-hmm. What does God say is essential? Pastor Doug, would you bring us up to speed on our study in Ephesians so far and what it says concerning who and what is essential in God's eyes? Yes, but before we do that, we have something else we must do. Yes, as uh, as it was discussed on the very first podcast, I think, um, mm-hmm. I am Zachary Douglas Peak, Honorable Lord of Glencoe and Lockerber. Um, gets a little lonely, though, being in nobility. Uh, and Jesse recently had a birthday, so we figured that uh, as Lord of Glencoe, I would bestow to Jesse a parcel of Scottish land. Oh my gosh! So, uh, Lord <laughs> Jesse Mayer. Oh, Jesse, Lord Jesse Ambrose Mayer. Oh, how my do you gosh. do, sir? Thank you, Lord Zachary Peak. Thank you. It's nice to be in the presence of such nobility. You are an official lord now, uh, Jesse. You guys have surprised me. I love this. Thank you. There's even a certificate I in there that. from the Highlands. That's amazing. Yes, so you are I've now literally lord of always Glencoe. wanted to be royalty or a knight. So this is amazing. We, we Thank can you, knight, gentlemen. We can knight pastor. Yes, you Pastor Doug. Uh, sir, doctor. Pastor Douglas B. <laughs> we can add more. There we go. Oh, and he's a captain too, right? I You're know. also a captain. Oh, I am a captain. We, well. need, we need more letters behind names. Oh, my as we can get. This is crazy. Total craziness. Well, so, thank you guys. That's amazing. Well, Lord Jesse, it's great to honorably serve you. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, <laughs> with all these formalities out of the way, let us begin. Our podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I can get used to that accent. Let me tell you. Well, we're oh, in man. Ephesians right now. We're doing a study titled Essential in the book of Ephesians. It was written by Paul. And it, uh, it was written not as a corrective, like a lot of the letters or epistles were written. It was written kind of more as here is the overall point of faith. And the first three chapters are all about our doctrinal foundation. And so chapter one is all about how God has a cosmic plan and we're at the center of it. And so our involvement in that makes our lives essential. Uh, last week, we talked about at the end of chapter one and then all the way through the end of chapter two is how our faith is essential. Because the goal of faith is what ushers us into this presence of God to experience all of these things. And it is our through our faith that Christ makes us alive. And it's through our faith that Christ is able to destroy the enmity that exists through ethnic barriers and divisions and hostilities. Chapter 3 then picks up with our calling. See, so... Our faith is essential. We're essential. So we have a goal. We have a spiritual goal. And he talks about that. And then chapters four, five, and six are all about, okay, now since you know what your spiritual goal is, you know you're essential, you know your faith is essential, here's how a person following Christ should live practically in every area of their life. So we're going to kind of jump around a little bit uh, now from this point to the end. We're not going to go in necessarily uh, the exact chronological order through Ephesians. Uh, 
it's not that one is more important than the other. It's, it was just for ease to do it that way. And what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on marriage, which is in chapter five, particularly verses about 20, 21 through the end of the chapter 33. So it's a big chunk. So my first question is this, as the only person here unmarried, <laughs> why is marriage essential? Speak to me. Um, Zach, you're recently married and you're actually preaching on marriage this mm-hmm. Sunday. What is one of the reasons why marriage is essential? Uh, one thing that's been really cool for me as someone, as Jesse pointed out, who recently got married uh, and doing the series Essential, um, like I desired to get married, but I'd never thought about whether it was like an essential thing or not. And going back and doing some of the research and the scriptural study for this message on Sunday, it was really exciting to see kind of the history of marriage and how God has gifted it to us. I would say one of the the best examples of a reason why marriage is an incredible thing uh, that can also be so essential to somebody's life is that it is one of the few gifts that God gives us that predates the fall. We see in Genesis, God creates Eve and Mm -hmm. gives Adam and Eve together to be married as one before sin enters into the world. So many of the gifts that God has given us, and they are incredible as well. The law that he gave to the Israelites in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. We have salvation and Jesus' sacrifice for us. Uh, So many of these gifts are are incredible, but they're all related to our fallen state. When, When we look at marriage, it's something that was given to us while we were still in paradise. When the world was still created and pure and perfect in God's creation, he gave us marriage within that context which I think is an amazing statement about how beautiful of a thing marriage can really be Mm. in in an area where Adam himself was in the garden and he was in relation with God. And uh, the, in Genesis, it's right after Adam names all of the animals that it says no suitable helper was found. And that's when God creates Eve out of Adam's rib. And he says, this is to be, you are to become one. uh, Adam says, you are a woman because you are out of the flesh of man. And it's a really beautiful example of marriage is such an incredible, amazing gift that God gives us. And it's so incredible that he gave it to us in a perfect state with him. Mm. That's how beautiful and amazing of a thing marriage can be. Uh, We talk about kind of, uh, we like to throw in some statistics and history, something like 94, 95% of people just in general, end up getting married at some point in their life. Yeah, so Across the entire globe. Yeah. So it's something that's pretty darn common that, that a lot of people end yeah. up in. And so we really want to kind of explore, you know, what what is this thing? You know, it, it is essential. It's a gift that God gave us. It predates almost every other gift that God gave us. It predates our fallen state. Mm-hmm. And all of those things mean that it is something that it's natural. It's beautiful. It's full of joy. Uh, there's an author of a book. Uh, he's a pastor who talks a lot about marriage named Gary Chapman. And one of, uh, one of the things he wrote in, in one of his books on marriage was a good marriage is about as close to heaven on earth as you can get. And I think that when we think yeah. about yeah. our relationship with Christ and trying to get to know him better, something that's close to heaven, that's ultimately a way to bring us closer to him too. And that's our ultimate goal in being here. So based on when it was given Uh, The fact that it predates almost every single gift God has given us. The fact that it it gives us an example, and then Paul even uses it. uh, Marriage is an example of how Jesus loves us and loves the church. 
there's so much in the Bible about how powerful of a thing it is. I think that you can't really come to the conclusion that it's not an essential part of human being. Excellent point. And talk to us, Pastor Doug, a little bit more on, on speaking of points. What does Ephesians 5 tell us the point of marriage is? Well, in those verses 21 through 33, he makes some very specific statements. He talks about how men and women who are married are to approach one another. And one of the things he says is that men should love their wives as Christ loved the church. And so the first thing is that it gives you an opportunity to love someone else unconditionally, you know. And and I think that that's really a challenge for men in particular, is that I think the highest calling of manhood is learning how to love people, love a woman, love your children unconditionally. Uh, that doesn't mean without standards, and it doesn't mean without strength and courage, but it it's it's just... That, that is when a man discovers what authentic manhood really is, is when he can love others the way uh, God loves him. Men are, you know, the pressure to be a man is about producing and being, and it could be tough or sensitive or whatever, but to just learn how to love unconditionally is one of the greatest callings of men. I think that's the greatest motivation for all men. Um, it's their highest calling. Now, if you're not married, that doesn't mean as a man you're you're insufficient or incomplete. If you're a woman, it doesn't mean you're insufficient or incomplete. It just means that marriage is essential. And I think that if you if you want to, you know, be connected to someone, then you should take getting married seriously. You know, you should date with intent. You should date with uh standards and values you should approach dating the same with at least the same concern that people have with pursuing an education or a career or buying a house you know uh those things are so much lesser than a really great marriage uh, the second thing is is that this passage tells us is that that if the marriage is covenantal then it will be on the right track if it's not covenantal it won't be on the right track. And that's why Chapman said, a good marriage is close to heaven on earth as you can get. A bad marriage is the most painful thing on earth. It's as close to hell as you can get. <laughs> that is the, that's the second part. That's exactly what he said right after that. A <laughs> yeah. bad marriage is about as close to hell as you can yeah, get. Yeah, it is living hell for people. You know, They're just like, I do not want to live in hell anymore. So uh, the covenantal aspect of marriage is is that it allows us to see how Jesus it loves his church and loves us. But if it's bad, if it's not covenantal, and there's a lot of selfishness and narcissism and toxicity in it, then in essence, it's you're experiencing the closest thing to hell, you know? And finally, I think what this passage tells us, it's really interesting because notice the instruction that he gives men. He says, men, you must love your wives. They use a very specific Greek word for love. And then he says to women, you must respect your husbands, right? And uses a different word. And, you know, I pondered this for a long time. And that is, is that, well, why does he tell men to treat or be a certain way towards women? And why does he tell women to be differently towards men? 
and we we go into the the specifics of this at, at another time but the bottom line is this it's because men and women are different and that's revolutionary thinking <laughs> there pastor doug in today's day and age bro that's it totally, really what i'm, I'm saying not, now i'm not is being sarcastic yeah. i was <laughs> no. being serious Exactly. There are people out there who would want to cancel me and shut me down. And if those people listen to this podcast and what we're talking right now, they will start a petition to Apple and these other places to remove me from from being listened to. But men and women are different and the emotional and spiritual needs of women are different than the emotional and spiritual needs of men. And what's really fascinating is that in Zach talked about uh, creation. And it's really interesting because in cha- at the end of chapter one of the book of Genesis, it says, and so God created them male and female in his image. He created them, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting way to say it. And I think the significance of it is this, is that the masculine is a representation of the image of God at some level. And the feminine is a representation of the image of God at some level. Uh, I think we have to be careful with those terms because masculine and feminine have been uh, uh, deconstructed with postmodernism and new ter- and they've been redefined. Right. And so there can be cause for misunderstanding. But from a biblical worldview, men and women are the image of God. And when we come together, when a man and a woman can come together and become one flesh, that is the closest... You see representation of the completeness of God that we can know here, maybe on earth. So I thought that was really Mm -hmm. the most important things that this passage really shares with us. Well, and I think on top of that, your your point about when they come together, they both represent different aspects of God. Yes. We are relational, and Christ's greatest desire, God's greatest desire for us is to know him and be in relation with him. One thing that I've started to realize um, since getting married and then even a little bit through this season of engagement and even dating is that love, like you said, looks a lot different to men and women sometimes. And one thing that's been really cool for me and exciting is learning so much more about love. It's not that I had it's not that I was incorrect in thinking about what love is. Mm-hmm. It's that I didn't have the whole picture. I've learned there's a whole other side of it too, which has been really exciting and fun to learn about because, um, you know, just a little bit of my background is that I, I, I know a lot of math. And so when God says in the Bible, when Jesus says that he is love, mm-hmm. the Bible says that God is love. I see that as a big equal sign. So like God is love and love is essentially what God is. So to, the fact that, being married, it, it, what's so cool is that when I was with my buddies, when I would hang out with my bros, you know, we would love each other and care for each other, but our interactions and our behaviors towards each other are very, very different than <laughs> the interactions <laughs> and behaviors that I have with my wife, which I is mean, I very would hope good. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very good. It's very good. But it's still, there was a lot to learn. And it's not even like some of the simple things like, you know, Guys like to mess with each other, you know, and beat on each other a little bit. And that's how they have fun. But it's even in just little subtle things, you know, like, Mm. you know, what I say when I see her, how excited I am when she comes home from work and and things like that. And and I think it's so important to realize that not only are men and women different, but like you said, they represent they are both created in God's image and therefore they represent different aspects of God. 
Mm. And so when you get married and you learn about what love is to someone who was created in God's image differently from you, but still created, it allows you to learn more about God and what his love truly is. Your, your first point was that it's an opportunity to love somebody unconditionally mm-hmm. when you get married, which, which I agree with. And I think is, is definitely really cool. And I think God calls us to love everyone unconditionally. And so you should probably start with your spouse and your family, and then you can move out from there. I do think though, that the unconditional word we understand pretty well, unconditioned, there's no condition on it. You do it no matter what. I, I would say that having been married recently, I have, come to learn so much more about what love truly is Mm. and how many different aspects of it there are and how I I think a lot of people, they, they say they want to love, but then they have their own definition of love. And one thing that's been really cool about being married is I've learned that my definition of love is not a very good definition. (laughs) (laughs) If I personally define it or I personally think, Hey, in this situation, this is what needs to happen. You know, sometimes, you know, either me or my wife will be down or we'll be upset about something and I'll think, okay, well, the loving thing to do is to go fix this problem or the loving thing to do is to tell her that everything's going to be fine and then just forget about it. It's like, well, that's maybe that's my definition of love, but maybe that's not hers. Mm -hmm. And for one thing that I've gotten the opportunity to learn in being married is how the true definition of love is God's love. Mm -hmm. And my definition of love will always fall short of that. Yeah. And it's been an opportunity to learn and say, God, how do I love my wife in this situation? Maybe it's a great situation and we're celebrating something. Maybe it's a hard time. Maybe it's just a regular day. But every, in every single one of those, I can say, God, I know what I would define as love here, but what would you define as love here? Mm-hmm. What is your definition of love? Show me how I can love my wife. And for me, it's, it's been really cool because it's radically changed some of my ideas about what it truly meant to love. And I feel like I now can love not only my wife better, but the people around me better because I just have more of an understanding of of God and his character and out of him and his character in my relationship with him, I can love others better. Yeah. Because he is the source of all love. He is love. And so the only way. So in essence, in your marriage, Mm -hmm. you're not only learning more about your wife, Mm -hmm. right? You're actually learning more about God Mm -hmm. as you're loving your wife. Exactly. And that's why I really enjoyed your third point, which is that men and women are different Mm -hmm. and that when they come together in a marriage, you get closer to the completeness of who God is Mm -hmm. because women represent and, and yes, these are generalizations, but I would say every woman represents certain aspects of God Mm -hmm. and his character because he, she was created in his image. Now that doesn't mean all women will have the same aspects of God. Right. We're created in his image the exact same way. And same for men. Men are all created differently, but we're all created in the image of God. And when men and women come together and when God brings us together, that's when this essential thing called marriage is really beautiful because it allows something that is complete. It's close to the completeness of God. It's, it's closer than we can be on our own. It's unlocking our full potential as, mm-hmm. a, as a person, really, because we're yeah. we're discovering things that we couldn't discover on our own without being in marriage. So it really creates that ability. And it's a relational interaction that helps that. Yeah. So those are some great points. I 
now have a lot to look forward to when hopefully the day happens. But when there's a lady, well, when there's a lady of Glencoe? Yes, yeah, there will be a lady Glencoe. of Glencoe. Um, so let's go back to the text in Ephesians 5. Pastor Doug, could you share with us what marriage does to us and how does it impact us spiritually, emotionally, even physically? What are those impacts? Well, I think the first thing it does is it really allows for men to kind of discover what I call authentic masculinity. Uh, all too often, uh, uh, the world tries to define masculinity. We live in a postmodern world, which is based on the philosophical tenets of deconstructionism. And I'm not going to go into all of this other than the fact that basically words don't have any intrinsic meaning. They only have the meaning we associate it with it. Right. And so... So what's happened is today what people have done is they have really tried to redefine in particular uh, masculinity. And so it, it has two versions. One form of masculin- masculinity is what I call the, the WWE version of it, right? It's that over the top professional wrestlers Hulk Hogan. Hey, yeah, brother. you know, it's just craziness, you know, and then, and then there's a more legit, a, a more legitimized form of it, but like with professional athletes, right? So that's what uh, is one worldly definition. The The other definition, which is, I think, just as bad on the, the swings of pendulum the other way, is that masculinity is toxic in that, you know, males are toxic by their very nature. Uh, these things are are detrimental, And so the thing that he really says in there, he says in uh, 26, verse 26, when he talks about men loving their wives, he says, the goal is Christ loved the church. You should love your wife in the same way. And Christ loves the people in the church, males and females, to make the church holy and cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So through the scripture and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And here, here's where it really gets good. He who loves his wife loves himself. When you, so, so if you want to understand what being a male is, which is masculine, the more you love your wife, the more masculine you become. But what's really fascinating is in the 35 years that I've been a pastor, I have sat through hundreds and hundreds of counseling sessions. And the conflict is so often that, you know, the wife doesn't feel loved by the husband. I'm not the center of his universe. He doesn't lead. He doesn't really operate. You know, today, the term I hear most is, a wife will say, I'm married to a narcissist. All he cares about himself. And then I talk to the guy and what he'll say is that uh, I don't feel like a man. She just denigrates me constantly. So I never feel like a man. So it's interesting that in today's 
world, the biggest struggles are things that Paul talked about 2000 years ago. I mean, that fascinates me. And so that's the first thing that I think that happens in this passage is it gives men an opportunity to discover authentic masculinity. Second of all, it gives women affirmation and validation. So instead of feeling insufficient, unable to measure up, which is something a lot of women struggle with, the uh, feelings of insecurity, uh, what marriage does for women is it protects them. It validates them where they can flourish and they can discover fulfillment. Now, if they think that their the role of their husband is to fulfill them and make them complete, that's probably not going to happen. Then they're going to be a frustrated wife. But if they see that the role of my husband is a to create a context in which I can flourish and I can uh, feel secure and connect to God, then I can love him sacrificially. Because the biggest thing that women uh, struggle with, in my opinion, is uh, trust issues. You know, right. um, they have all these reasons why they have trust issues. And generally, these trust issues begin in their family of origin and the way their brothers or their uncles or their dads or their grandpas treated them. Okay. And then that toxicity has just created more trust issues, right? Now, what's interesting is, and we'll talk about this on Thursday, is that the, the reason that was toxic isn't because they were males. It isn't because they were masculine. You see, it was because of sin. And that's a different thing. And therefore, what has happened is uh, marriage in its covenantal form on the right track gives a woman to overcome trust issues because she's trusting God first. Hmm. Okay, so so that's the other thing. And then finally, what it does is it's the best thing ever for children. You know, it's really interesting because people, whenever they talk about children and how children are raised, they always they always cite uh, social studies, right? Uh, this study, this psychological study, this social study and stuff like that. Well, just so that you know, almost every social study out there about this stuff is just bunk. It's just fake. It's not even real. Uh, real scientists who do real studies, real data analytics go in there. They did a study and they said over 60 to 70 percent of all conclusions of all data science in the soft sciences, which are social sciences, have been proven to be false conclusions based on the prevalent data. So basically, most people are out there just making junk up so they can put it in a paper and say, well, scientists say and it's just all it's all bunk. Uh, but you can find one on occasion that's done really, really well, and they really endeavor to uh, follow strict you know, uh, quantitative da data analytics in finding conclusions and causations and correlations. And the ones that are that way say the exact same thing 100%. And that is, is nothing comes close to the flourishing of children than living in a house with their biological mother and their biological father. And the data even suggests this, that even if mom and dad don't get along with each other or not happy with each other, it's still better if those kids live in the same house with mom and dad. Interesting. It is interesting. And so the whole point is, is that, so as a ministry in a church, the more that we can preach the truth of, of your marriage is essential and here are all the things, the coaching to keep it on track, right? Right. It's so easy for my trainer to, 
fix me when I'm already in shape. You know, when I'm already stretching, I'm already working out and I come in and I say, oh, I'm sore here. He goes, oh, well, you just need to change your technique here. It's an easy fix. But if I walk in and I haven't, haven't worked out in five <laughs> years and I'm, I'm 80 pounds overweight, you know, it's going to take a whole lot more work on his part to get me in shape, right? So the first thing is we want to coach and try to keep people on the right track. But the second thing we do as a church is we say, look, it doesn't matter how bad a shape it's in. God can fix anything. And now that doesn't mean that it will get fixed. This is the sad part because it takes two people. Right. In a marriage right. relationships, in a covenantal relationship, both people have to want it bad enough. It's not enough that one person can want it so bad if the other person doesn't. One can't want it enough for both of them. Exactly. So so this is the thing is the outcome of marriage is it gives men an opportunity to discover their authentic manhood. Second of all, it gives women an opportunity to discover security and increase trust. And it's the best thing that could ever happen for children. So that's why we want to be a church that's focused and committed to building healthy marriages. So Zach, you were um, able to witness your mom and dad's marriage. Um, what? How did? Uh oh. How did that influence your perspective <laughs> of marriage? I mean, we're we're going off this third point of it's the best thing for children, um, and. So how did that? Well, it's the best thing for children when it's good, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, which it was. I it was throat. excellent. This isn't the salty past anymore. <laughs> this was, is the salty son. This is the salty son right here. <laughs> it was. It was no. It was great. You know, I think my parents worked really hard to to build a really great marriage. Um, one thing that I noticed about my dad is that he is. It's like he's mentioned, he's been a pastor for 35 years. And I, I think he took a lot of notes when he would help couples <laughs> and be like, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't, don't do that. that. Don't do don't that. Do that. Oh, <laughs> do do that. Don't do that. And don't go there yes, ever. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, fr- from my perspective, he took a lot of notes and he was able to uh, use that to to improve his own marriage. And mm. then uh, him and him and my mom as parents. And I, I would say that one of the social studies and soft sciences things that has been pretty well established is how important early childhood development is. You know, you mentioned how important is that to biological parents. And the other thing is early childhood development. And I think that going off what you mentioned earlier about people having trust issues or Mm -hmm. people um, having difficulty with self-esteem issues, which is something that I know amongst my generation, um, self-esteem, it's massive. People in, in my age group, are just having such a such a difficult time. I know that Jesse brought this up uh, on a couple other podcasts ago that um, over in June, I think it was, the mm-hmm. CDC found that 25.5% of 18 to 24-year-olds in America seriously contemplated suicide. Mm. Like th- there's these mental mental issues and mental wellness that is not happening for, for my generation. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it's rooted in when you don't have a foundation, it like, what do you have to stand on? Right. And early childhood development and two parents that stick together and stay with you to parent you establish such a strong foundation. Now, like you said, if, if they're still living in sin, there can still be trust issues. Mm-hmm. There can still be self-esteem issues and everything. But I know from my perspective, um, while, while you and mom definitely, you know, you weren't perfect or anything. Mm-hmm. You you guys worked really hard, and I feel like you did a really good job. And I look at me, I look at my younger sister and younger brother, and we all we all have this just inherent self confidence and self worth. N- not necessarily in ourselves, but just that things are going to be okay. And and you helped start us off with you know jump starting us to get to know God, and that's you know as we 
age into adults, that's our responsibility, but you jumpstarted us there. Mm-hmm. And early childhood development, you know, I remember, you know, when I was like a couple, only a couple years old and I'd give you a hug every morning before work, you know, when you left. And that was always just a really powerful thing for me to know that I had people who were behind me that loved me. And I think connecting it to marriage and how essential marriage is that we're talking about, one of the things that for me has been so powerful about, and it happened before being married too, but you know, when I met my current wife and as we grew together and started to truly love each other is I felt like she was a physical manifestation in a lot of ways of Jesus's love for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to have a relationship with him Mm -hmm. and I have a relationship with her and no, she's not perfect either, but she showed me great love and grace a lot of times. And in my case, a lot of grace. (laughs) 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 And And it was really cool just to see, wow, this person, this human just has so much love and grace for me. And I realized, wow, Jesus has this for me too. And I think that parents can do a very similar thing where it's like, you know, you mess up, you do something you shouldn't do. You know, me and my sister would get in fights sometimes. Mm -hmm. I remember she was able to peg me with a truck from across the living room in the head. (laughs) She really should have gone into softball or something. She had an arm. She had an arm. But we'd get in fights and stuff. And then, yeah, we'd be disciplined and everything. But you guys still loved us. And I think that having that love in your life establishes a foundation for understanding who Christ is. Mm. And so then it makes sense, you know, when I come to Christ and I talk to him, instead of just hearing that he loves me, I can think, oh, wow, that love is like my dad showed me or my my mother or my, my sister or my brother, or my wife, all these things, they're tangible, they're physical manifestations of God's love. And they're not perfect because we as humans are fallible, but but it's 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 an example it's an analogy it's not exact but it's close and it shows you you know imagine if if a love from a parent or a spouse can be great and you can experience grace and love from them how much greater is it to experience from god himself yeah and so i think that that's one of the ways it's so good for kids is it starts off by establishing that love for them and then even if they don't really know jesus himself yet it makes sense that, oh, I have a father in heaven. It just, it, it's, it's down there. It's intrinsic at that point. Right. Um, and that's what's really sad for people. I remember when I would do youth ministry and I'd work with kids who, who had parents who were divorced or, or were adopted or their parents weren't in the picture. And it was always really sad because it, we, we, we had to work extra hard to, to help them understand that, yes, Jesus truly loves you and, and this is what that love is. And, and it's a beautiful thing for anybody to experience and when you don't have your parents, it, it just makes it that much harder to internalize yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what a great discussion today, focusing on what Ephesians has to say about marriage and, and being essential in our lives. Uh, please remember to share this podcast with a friend, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, give it a five-star review. Um, you can listen on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, or even catch it on YouTube if you want to watch us instead of just listening to our deep, sultry tones. Um, so join us this coming Thursday. Zach will be back with us um, where we dig into why marriage in our culture is struggling. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Blessings.